millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Andy Murray, we'll get to heavy metal, we'll get to wrestling, we'll get to all the good things in life. First off, how are you doing? I'm very well, man. How are you? I'm not too bad. Thank you very much for hopping on the Entitled Banter podcast. It's a pleasure. One of the most improvised podcasts in the land. Legendary um, podcast, like yeah. around the building and indeed the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good segue into, I wanted to open the podcast. Usually it's way more freeform than this, but I actually made some notes for the intro uh, before we get to people's questions, talking points, wherever they want us to get to. I did want to shout out everybody who tagged us in Spotify wrapped stuff, um, which is on both sides. I should probably say that Andy Murray's from What Culture Wrestling, head of What Culture Wrestling, <laughs> not just someone I've dragged in Who's called Andy Murray. Guy? Who's yeah. this guy? But I wanted to shout out, and um, I'd be the same for the wrestling podcast too, the amount of people that tagged us in stuff, and I'm trying to give um, specific replies to people over on Twitter whenever I can, but yeah, massive thank you to everybody who've been listening. Like, the people being in the top couple percent of listens is incredible, um, thousands of minutes listened, etc. Just a massive thank you to everybody um, for that. It's awesome. Um, I also want to thank everybody for um, being so awesome with the, the rotating door of people that I've had on. It takes an army to replace old JB, so it's like we've had a, a rotating guest, a lot of people on, um, and then Jules has always got stuff that keeps coming up on a Friday, so he keeps meaning to come back on uh, the Friday show, but uh, this was another week where me and you were talking, I was like, <laughs> oh, Jules can't make it, and you were like, I can make it, and I was like, well, we could do that, we like, could easily yeah. do that. that's easy to do, <laughs> um, and the last thing is um, just thanking everybody for all the celebrations of when I put my tweet out and said that I'm going to be a dad next year, which still feels surreal, still yeah. doesn't feel like a thing that's actually happening, like whenever I keep doing the... Um, the scans and stuff where I get to see the, the live feed where it just looks like a weird blurry CCTV footage. But I'm like, that's actually a, that's a child in that, there. That's a human. That's yeah. actually mine, apparently. That, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> it's weird because it's all in like silence. Like yeah. no one told me that like, it's just like a silent feed and it's like, it's all beautiful and everything. It's but not I'm, like, speaking. Why no, is it not weird. saying anything? But I'm, like, it's not waving at me. It's weird. And so like, <laughs> there's that side of it. But then like the, um, it's uh, for me, it wasn't until I like heard the heartbeat where I was like, oh, that got me more. I don't know if it's because I'm more audio wired. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like in general, that was the thing that stood out. But yeah, a huge thank you to everybody for seeing for being so absolutely
absolutely lovely. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, this is the Untitled Partner Podcast. The UBP, the UBP, the UBP, which I'll put an echo on, I think, to make that even fancier nice. in the edit. Um, but we'll get through as many questions as we can. First one from Knight of the Living Podcast, who says the legend Andy Murray makes his debut. Oh, that's very kind. Uh, he got some lovely fans out wow. there. Wow. Andy, please explain to us your Elden Ring experience and character. It's come up so many times on the wrestling oh. pod, but never in detail. Who is the leader of the bold community? He's champion of choice. Oh my goodness gracious me. <laughs> the so, hashtag bold community. So I'm a, I'm a basic boy when I play, Eld- it's my, I love Elden Ring. It might yeah. be my favorite game ever, actually. Right. Like After this most recent playthrough that I just completed, and before going on to the uh, the brand new hot game of the summer, uh, Hades, <laughs> you, you, might have, you might have heard of it. I said um, one, one little quick segue there is that I feel like this year has been like overwhelming in terms of people telling you there's tons of stuff yeah. to play. But I have a theory, and I, I did like a Twitter poll a couple months back being like, how many people are actually keeping up with all the stuff? This yeah. Year? And most people aren't. Like Most people are like um, sticking to like two or three, five, favorites. whatever games out of the 60 that are on offer. So I think most people are going to be in line with you anyway, picking yeah. up old classics or whatever. That's it. Like I've got, I've got, I own Armored Core 6 and Diablo 4. I just haven't played them yet. You don't so need to play Diablo like, 4. You're yeah. okay. I'll, yeah, I own it. So I probably, <laughs> you know, money was Is it a spent. physical one? Can you get rid of it if it's not? Yeah. Good? So okay. if it sucks, I could, I could, you know, stick it on the old internet or whatever. Because uh-huh. they've it. monetized the living words uh-huh. out of that. It's, uh, it's got what, a great intro, though. I'll save it for a time when I'm in a good mood. Right, I'm yeah. feeling very forgiving. <laughs> to um, bring you back down again. But, but Elden Ring, man, that, that when it came out, it consumed my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did a whole playthrough. I did another one that winter. And uh, I was just playing various games this summer. And I was like, nothing is making me feel as uh, good mm-hmm. or like as fulfilled gaming-wise as Elden Ring did. So I'm going to do a whole other playthrough. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm totally basic. And the like the hardcore uh, FromSoft uh, people out there are going to sneer at me and probably turn this podcast off. <laughs> uh, I, I play basic builds because uh, I'm a loser. Um, so no, my, man, you'll be, you'll be way common. I mean, I'm more of a melee guy anyway. Yeah. Like, I remember... I, you played through the original Dark Souls? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember struggling that's so... Yeah, that's the thing. I remember struggling so much with Unseen and Smile, but it was because I was just a basic melee yeah. build. And back then, 2013, 2014, um, I refused... Actually, no, first Dark Souls is like 2012 or whatever. But I uh, I refused to let... It's probably 2011, now that my brain kicks in. Anyway, <laughs> um, I refused to summon anyone because I yeah. was just like, no, I need to do it solo. I gotta, so, I gotta, I'm a true gamer. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. A problem, what, what even am I if I can't do this myself? <laughs> Which is absolute BS. The whole point of those games is to... You know, it's the embodiment of the Zelda thing of like, yeah. it's not safe... Like, help some uh, bring someone else in um but i forced a melee build all the way through dark most of those games and i remember one of my friends i was like talking about how impossible Unseen and smile was and he was like oh, i did it first time i was a mage i just pinged him from across the map killed him in a couple of hits i was like okay great well i, guess <laughs> I should probably be a mage then but i sword plays way more fun yeah definitely like uh I did the same in Dark Souls 1. I, I was a sword and shield mm. guy. I was like, I might as well have a basic play style so I can like learn the mechanics. Mm-hmm. And then I got some pyromancies and stuff so I could have a bit of diversity. Um, but yeah, or, or seen the small. I had to I had to summon Solaire for that because Jesus Fenty. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and those <laughs> flipping archers, man. Um, Elden Ring, the first playthrough I did, I did a Moonvale build, okay. which is one of the famous early broken weapons with transient moonlight, this weapon art that staggers people in like a hit. Oh, cool. <laughs> and okay. it's like, it's, it does kind of, it made, it made it a little bit easier uh, for my idiot brain to cope with early <laughs> on. But I was like a spell sword as well. So uh-huh. I had the, the you know, the, the sorceries from Riot Lucaria and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. My second build, I did a dual wield 
twin blade. Shout. So I had two twin blades. Nice. I had the gargoyle twin blade and like some generic one. Uh. And uh, so like I was doing jump attacks that hit people four times. <laughs> so it was just like a bleed build. That's I know cool. like people will hate that because it's really basic. But no, I, man, the bleed thing. I remember when me and Josh first went through it on the podcast back then, and it was like bleed bleed damage was the thing. Yeah. Like I don't know if you played the, it was um, the big time. Yeah. Like I don't know if you played the South Park um, the Stick of Truth game, mm. but um, that game had fart damage that was just like if you combined the <laughs> the fart damage with the burn damage that was like a cheat code and it's like yeah. sometimes RPGs just have that one stat and Elden yeah. Rings was definitely the blood oh stat. 100% the blood loss stuff was insane uh-huh. and then for this last playthrough I decided to go full caveman right and get the giant crusher, the massive hammer. Oh, yeah. uh, so the, you know, the the comedically huge thing you see people <laughs> yeah. walking around with and the lion claw weapon art. So you can just like mangle people. <sighs> the build was like everything in strength uh-huh. and uh, endurance and uh, <laughs> vitality and nothing else. See those builds, like it when fun. it's, I never like the, how much that slows you down. Like I want to get yeah. out the way. I want to play like more agile, but yeah. when you hit with those things, it's like a 10 ton truck. Yeah, like, it, it just runs great. you over, man. But, yeah. Like, um, no, I love the game. Like, I, I love that I can play through it. I've played, th- I must have played like 200 hours of it. Right. And I love that I can still play through and find new areas and stuff. So this time, I didn't even realize that Dragon Lord Placidusax was a boss. Nice. Uh, and then I was like, what is it? What? How, right. have I, how have I found this? I've played this game through twice. Like, it's mm-hmm. totally optional. Because um, you've, you've got to go like outside one of the maps and lie on like a stone and it takes you through time yeah, and then yeah. you can fight him. Like, okay. Lie in this sure. coffin and go to a lake of rot. Yeah. Um, Placidusax is in... Um, Oh, I think of a different Far- dude. Farmazula. The, the guy with the twin heads. There's like a, there's a dragon with like yeah, three no, heads. Yeah, no, that is the one. That is the one. You've maybe just got the journey. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get to him through like a crazy bit at the bottom of mm-hmm. uh, of uh, Farmazula. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I didn't know this existed because you're in from where you can, like the nearest bonfire to him before you get there, I think is the one on the Great Bridge. You mm-hmm. go up to fight Malekith mm-hmm. and the tree sentinel thing in front of his door. So mm-hmm. you're automatically drawn to that. Yes. I didn't think to go down again. No, well, I mean, like, it was the, crazy. The, the way that thing uh, like unveils itself, where it's like the, the whole idea of the map being like concentric circles yeah. outwards, it's almost like a big bullseye getting yeah. bigger and bigger. Um, I got so consumed by just the open world, the, op- the on top stuff. Yeah. Like, I did find the underground within like 15 minutes, but I was like, oh, that must just be like a dungeon. Yeah. And you only realize over time that, like, no, it's like, it's a layered thing. Like, it's two open worlds on top of each other, which, like, was a weird thing to to try and track in your own mind anyway. Like, it's what like an orange what? peel. Like yeah, yeah. Ring. <laughs> One big spirally thing. That was one of the best, like ugh, I, that whole run, I miss games that are so big that it feels like everyone's playing, mm. like even casual gamers, whoever, like everyone's playing through it and everyone's comparing notes and like, yeah. oh, have you seen this and whatever. Yeah. There's not been a game like that this year. Um, like Elden Ring was the last one of them, like where it really brought everybody in, and it, which is insane because this year has had a ton of big games. I feel like Zelda had a lot of people talking, but unless mm-hmm. you had a Switch, you're not going to be getting it. Um, but Elden Ring was just that big vacuum where it was like you need to know what's up with it's this an event, game. isn't it? And yeah. then, like I love any game as well where the lore is so deep and interesting that you can go and watch Vati Vidya and like yeah. hundreds of other channels who somehow have like a million views, but their qual their content is amazing quality. Mm. I'd say somehow because there's so many of these channels that oh, yeah. do great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Souls is like its own little cottage industry. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like ever since um, the games blew up so much, it's like they, like I said, shout out to Vi Video, like the absolute king of that stuff. ASMR, like, so his videos are ASMR. Yeah. The voice is so smooth. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> dude's incredibly well put together. He is. Um, a question from Harry Paulet who says, if you haven't already, check out Berry Tomorrow, my favorite band mm. of all time. Absolutely brutal and beautiful at the same time. Absolutely love those guys and best live performances I've seen in a long time. What bands are you into recently? Love Ooh. you both. Take care. 
Wow. I've heard of Bury Tomorrow. I think they played Newcastle quite recently. I, I, I like Bury Tomorrow yeah. quite a lot. I sort of, um, I didn't get into them when they first came on the scene. I remember them when Metal Hammer first, like when they first came on the scene and it was like, they had uh, two vocalists. Yeah. Where it was like one screamy dude, one clean guy. Um, and they were just really chunky and heavy and everything. But I got into them on the Black Flame album. Um, which that was their big one that like blew up where like, oh, okay. Black Flame was a lot more like accessible and melodic and stuff um, and then their most recent one I forget what it's called but it, uh, they had another one um, had like a song called The Grey and stuff on uh, and Choke I think was the name of the album Choke but like yeah did you listen to that song no it's hilarious not- that is the chorus yeah oh really <laughs> yeah. Choke it's just him with like a big riff then going Choke and it just kicks back hell in hell yeah brother that's it what it's all about but um, yeah I was like I've been a, a big fan of their most recent stuff even though I can't th- remember the name of it but um, yeah Berry Tomorrow was solid I remember them being held up as like what Bullet of my Valentine could yeah, have been yeah. uh, if they didn't if Bullet were just better overall. yeah if they hadn't uh, wet the bed yeah just a little bit but um, yeah in terms of what bands are you into recently we just did our Spotify rap stuff but do you want to yeah. shout anyone out yeah I've been doing like um, as well as keeping on top of some new stuff mm. uh, which I always like to do I always mm. like to discover new stuff um, this year I've spent the past few months doing like discography revisits for free foundational bands for me uh, Machine Head mm. Crowbar and Sepultura. So what I nice. do is it's really nerdy, but I love it. Yeah, man. Um, I go. I start at the beginning of their discographies, and I go artist about. Mm-hmm. So I listen to the first Crowbar album mm-hmm. for like a, or just until I'm tired of it, really, for like a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I listen to the first Machine Head album, and then I listen to the first. Uh, uh, goodness gracious me, Sepultura, Crowbar, yes. Machine Head. Yeah. So I kind of go through them in order, and then I go on to their second ones in order. And it's really cool because it keeps it varied, mm-hmm. and it means, like, I'm not just listening to M- Machine Head for, like, three months and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing that. It's been a really interesting, like, a really interesting experiment because, like, Machine Head start with an incredible album, Burn mm-hmm. My Eyes. Yep. It's like, you could argue that that's the best metal album of the 90s. Uh, I'm not sure if I would. I, I might. That's um, an interesting shout. It's phenomenal. And what did Pantera have out in the nineties? Was effing hostile? Every, in the 90s? Literally everything. Yeah, yeah. So I might it's go like that. it's really tough. To, it, it's tough to think about, right? Mm. Because like Pantera have like three classic albums yeah. in a row. Um, it's up there though. But like Machine Head start off so hot, and second album, The Morphing Change, still good. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of feel it drifting into like rap metal territory. I was just saying, when did he get his cornrows? And we got all that stuff. That was the Burning Red, brother. <laughs> right. So that's their third album, and it's like, oh boy, I'm not sure. There's Robert, some, you know, there's a couple tracks on there, but like, more, uh, there's a lot of that, you know, him rapping. I mean, look, stuff. like I don't know about you, but I, I grew up as a Limp Bizkit fan, as a yeah. Saliva, a POD fan. I, I love Limp Bizkit. I can get down with that stuff. I yeah, love me all too. that stuff. Me too. And like, honestly, I actually think the rap tracks on the album are the best songs on the album, <laughs> dare I say. Uh, but then after that, like Machine Head, they really Supercharger, which is a disaster of right. an album. Mm-hmm. Then they kind of come back around, Ashes of Empires, really good, yes. really good. The Blackening classic, mm-hmm. in my opinion, mm-hmm. Locust. That's one of the best metal albums of all time. I agree. Like by far, yeah. Yeah. Like, like you could argue that, <laughs> that they have the best metal album of the 90s and the best metal album of the 2000s, mm, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. not many bands can say that, but then they have uh, Catharsis. <laughs> <laughs> Which me and you thought was hilarious when that thing yeah. landed. Because <clears throat> there's a few things over the years where they try and bring back that attitude, the 90s attitude and put it with the newer compositions, yeah. the newer like yeah. instrumental approach and everything. But then you get songs like Game Over um, or stuff like yeah. Catharsis where it's like, it's aggro. The one from the point of view of Lemmy is so cringe, man. I don't even know which one that is. It's like uh, B- 
beard smelling of snatch is oh, one of the God. lines. Yeah, it's like... God, I haven't thought about that lyric in years. Robert! <laughs> Robert! But uh, yeah, like it's been interesting. And like Sepultura is an interesting one as well because mm-hmm. their first album came out when they were literally 15 years old and they couldn't play their instruments. Right. So it's like all... It's not... The guitar isn't tuned properly. Like Igor can barely play the drums. He's just sitting there going... Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Max can't do anything. So it's like... I this, love stuff like that. It's really interesting. It sounds like it was recorded in a toilet. Yeah. And like... Uh, Morbid Visions and and uh, Bestial Decimation, um, mm. they re-recorded them and re-released them this year, which is really interesting. Right, okay, but it's cool. like got like a charm to it. It's yeah. like these kids, but they grow and then they release three bangers in a row in uh, Beneath the Remains, Arise, and Chaos AD. And then mm. Roots is like a controversial pick because it's got like Rata Mahata on it <laughs> and like and Roots Bloody Roots. That's I was that was like their first big single or whatever. The yeah, first thing that the, broke through. That's how I discovered them actually seeing Same. Rata Mahata on Kerrang, right. which is just a fun song. Uh-huh. Um, with a good riff but they, they kind of tail off after that and then Crowbar it, to me is like first album they're kind of finding their voice like it's a good album but Kirk hasn't really figured out how he wants to sing mm. like the riffs aren't quite there yet mm. and then after that they just don't miss it's right. like after that the 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 minimal quality level is like very good mm. and it's just a fun time throughout. But like in terms of new bands I've been re- listening to, I can give some recommendations yep. for sure. I've been mostly into hardcore these past few years mm. which has always been part of my music taste. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in the past few years, it's kind of taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like like really ignorant, uh, like no BS stuff where all the lyrics are about like getting stabbed in the back <laughs> and like the riffs are really chunky and bouncy and fun. Pain of Truth is a fun one to check right. out. Uh-huh. Um, they released their debut full length album this year, but they've got an EP or a demo out as well and like a split here and there. Mm-hmm. It's like just really silly, fun, like punch you in the face kind of music. I love, because that, that was what I used to love about Cantabats. Like, yeah. I know they're still going, but like that whole era when the Old Blood came out, that was when I saw them live and it was just yeah. in a tiny little, I saw them a few times, but one of the first times was just in, uh, there's a little place called the O2 Academy in Newcastle and it was in the upstairs bit, which is a very like sweaty, small wooden yeah, room. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we saw them in there where they were just bouncing off the walls and everyone's just having a great time. Met Liam me after the gig. Yeah, the singer, but like that energy, if you, when you can nail that, when yeah. like the band fully knows how self-aware they are or whatever, which isn't the thing that Machine Head has. Like, makes, yeah, you have so much fun with it. Certainly not with Rob. Uh, <laughs> it makes you want to jump in the pit even before you're 36 and mm-hmm. you have to work on YouTube all day and you don't want to get <laughs> smacked in the eye and have a black eye. No. Um, but yeah, no, they're probably my album of the year as right. well. Um, I want to ask where you come down on Sleep Token. Yeah, it's not really for me, but like I appreciate the creativity and like I think it's really cool when something that weird connects with so mm. many people. Mm-hmm. Like it speaks to, this is quite a cynical way of looking at it, but it speaks to their marketing and it speaks mm. to like how they've presented themselves and like how they've had, and again, like it, like I respect it more than like it, right. um, but like to combine such like disparate elements of music into one like kind of theatrical riffy mm. thing with these like crazy melodies and stuff. I mean um, like Ewan calls it uh, George Ezra with riffs. That's which, pretty like, good. Which is fair enough. I, I love Sue Token. That was one of the things where I, they didn't click with me for the first two albums. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's it's fine. I, I get what he's going for. But I kind of had the the Ezra modern radio song like, thing where I was like, it just sounds like something from the radio yeah. where I couldn't get it. And then they go, dong, dong, dong. And I was always more into that. And then it was like when, I remember when uh, the summoning came out which um the first single or whatever from the newest album was it oh this is this is it like they've arrived kind of thing and that album blew up and like you said with the marketing um, or the release stuff, they figured out how to game, if it was how intentional it was or whatever, Spotify's algorithms, because yeah. they had a new single every week and they skyrocketed, they sold yeah. out arenas, and then they were like, okay, we finally arrived. And like, they are by far like the biggest band, at least in like mainstream metal. Mm-hmm. Like they're on the Metal Hammer front cover and everything. 
Um, but yeah, they massively clicked. Like, um, if I'm doing like newer bands to check out, Sleep Token's by far the thing I've listened to the most. That thing dominated my Spotify Wrapped. Um, but it's the three Ps for me. It's uh, it's Periphery, Polaris, and um, Polyphia. Um, prog. Poly- <laughs> yeah, just prog. But like uh, like Polaris, I think. I love I, it. It's funny because like this is the second time I'm mentioning like what Bullet could have been. Yeah. And it's like, but the found I love the foundations of the metalcore scene. Like I like I was there when it started. I, I have a, such a such a soft spot for those early Bullet albums, and I like the tenacity. Yeah. Of metalcore yeah. done well, um, Polar- Polaris are incredible, and um, they're an Australian metalcore band. Um, just super crunchy, kind of have like some of the hardcore stuff in there as well, but um, nice and melodic and whatever. Um, Polyphia has Tim Henson, which is the best, one of the best guitarists on the planet, like next to mm-hmm. you know John Mayer. Joe I see Bonamata. him a lot on uh, YouTube. Yeah, um, he's just phenomenal. Yeah. Like just a dude who's been playing guitar since he was tiny, and yeah. you can tell. Um, and that song with him and Steve Vai is like, like if you're like someone who just worships guitar players, you want some shred. Yeah, you want some. Yeah. Well, you want some shred, but it's like melodic. You've got a lot of that more modern progressive stuff where it's just like lots of crazy tapping and whatever. And that stuff's awesome. And then um, Periphery have been my favorite band since I listened to Periphery 3. Um, five came out this year. They just, they just named their albums after the numbers. Yeah. Um, but this album was called Gent is Not a Genre, which is a fun part <laughs> to, uh, to that thing. Because when they first came out, like uh, Periphery 1 and 2, they were like the, the poster boys or whatever yeah. of, of the Gent movement, the De Gent movement, which didn't stick around. Like that kind of went away because it was like Gent's just a guitar tone. It's yeah, not that's a genre. it. It's just like a, like a word for a guitar that goes yeah like that's like it's it. down tuned yeah like, i remember when disturbs um had a gent song there was a riff on the album that came out <laughs> that yeah um where it was like that kind of squelchy guitar tone yeah. i was like oh disturbed did a gent song and i was like no they, they changed the guitar tone like covered one meshuga thing. or something yeah exactly <laughs> like yeah like meshuga was like one of the foundational <laughs> things as well <laughs> but it's like yeah so for me it's like the three p's have dominated um because they all have new albums and um and i cannot recommend polyphia enough they've yeah. been on the rise for a while yeah. um but i feel like they arrived this year as well um, but yeah, overall, music's pretty damn good. I like that balance as well, right? Mm. Because I'm just looking at my most listened to list on my phone here, mm-hmm. and it's like, I do like that balance because it sounds to me like you're mu- since we met in 2017, your mm. music taste maybe gone like a bit more, a bit more progressive, yeah, perhaps, yeah. and like a bit more uh, like aligned to things like that, which are really inventive and creative and like and like uh, technical yeah. and, and- It's not but, just Alter Bridge is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> which, yeah. which I feel. But like incorporating like melodies into that and stuff. Whereas yeah. mine has gone kind of, mine's kind of devolved. Right, um, and <laughs> devolved. I, I just like when the guitar goes dun, dun, dun <laughs> now. So it's like, I look at I my- I like that too. I look at my list and it's all like, honestly, it's pure meathead like music. Like sludge. Well, yeah. me, me and you, and not to make it an entire music podcast, but we could. Um, I, I mean, I'm, we, a, I'm game. Yeah, mom, we've got as long in here until they kick us out. But um, we, uh, me and you talk a lot about melody. Like, like the implication yeah. of melody in songs. And like for me, like I, I, and me and Josh talk about this loads and same with me and my wife and everything. I do not care what someone's saying unless it's something horrible. But for the most part, I don't care about yeah. lyrics. Yeah. I'm all about melody, harmony, instrument, you know, instrumentation, composition. Yeah. I really don't care about the lyrical content. So like I'm there for whatever the vocal hook is or the melodic hook or whatever. And then I like some of the, um, like I love aggression in music, like whatever it is. But yeah. I am, um, when we mean you talk about melody, where I remember you might've changed over the years, but when me and you used to talk about music, you would say like that kind of like, like I'm singing and it's this thing like, that <laughs> yeah, would like put you yeah, off yeah, whereas yeah. like I like a big cheesy rock song yeah. as much as I love everything else I'm kind of yeah that's it like uh, that's the different uh, tastes isn't it kicking oh, yeah. in because I, I'd say like when it comes to music I look more for rhythms and stuff mm-hmm. and maybe it's because I was like a really big hip hop fan for like I still am oh I had such a rap face yeah man me too like I, I, you know it's still part of my life but like it's not my main genre anymore mm. where, where the appeal there is like the beat and like how the rapper is going over like their flow and how that matters and it's mm-hmm. all very rhythmic. It's not like 
So maybe that informed my taste a little bit, but I look more for like the rhythms and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Like, and like the, the the really primitive way to ask the question is, can I throw a spin kick to this? <laughs> you know, can, can, can I, I crab to this? Yeah, 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 can I windmill to this or, <laughs> or what's going on here? So That's like, a, that'll be a phenomenal name for an album or a band. Can I windmill to this? <laughs> yeah, like, like a, just bring back that whole scene. An ironic spin kick. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> like I love all that stuff. I love hardcore. I love like... Um, like really low and chuggy, jun 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 silliness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you find as well that like if I because we do a lot of writing, we do a lot of presenting and stuff. Like there's sometimes when you just need to make a cocoon and just like and just do some work or yeah. whatever. Like if you're in the office or whatever, I love making like was I kind of imagine it as like a tunnel of noise, like give me yeah, the most abrasive, definitely. screamy stuff because that blocks everything out. Definitely, and it's like, the assumption is like, oh, wouldn't that be distracting? And it's like not if you love the artist or the album. Yeah, there's something d- about that that it, it helps. drives you on. Yeah, like, me and Michael Sidgwick of What Culture Wrestling have this conversation quite a bit where I'm like he can't work to to, to like super fast aggressive music whereas mm. me it gets me in a flow and it mm-hmm. keeps me going but I, like I have two ways of doing it like I pardon me if I'm listening on headphones yeah I like that cocoon because the headphones are really personal mm. and it's like it's in your head I almost. love like shutting the world out yeah the headphones out. and it's like I'm, I'm doing some like fast work but like if I'm listening on speakers I go the opposite way and I like some like droney stuff mm. you know like some like atmospheric uh, almost like white noise mm-hmm. it's a really strange approach but I feel like that works when it's a bit more distant mm-hmm. on the speakers and it like fills the room mm-hmm. so it's like yeah, it's a whole thing that I'm still figuring out. Well, I mean, uh, I got massively into, uh, I don't know if it's like necessarily a name, but like, yeah, like ambient synthwave. Like I love synthwave, mm. I love lo-fi, like I, anything like electronic or whatever. Um, I don't have any specific artists to shout out. Um, I can't think of the one that I'm trying to remember. It's something like um, Skylight, like, something about Over the Horizon or whatever, which is vague AF. But yeah. <laughs> um, I remember like discovering this whole genre of ostensibly just uh, sci-fi background music, which yeah. is like, it sounds a lot like, um, the Blade Runner soundtrack, or it sounds like oh, okay. things like that, where yeah. it's just kind of ambient stuff that might play in the background when a character's walking through a, a neon city with the, the collars up, the high collars up on the long coat, and they're just thinking about what humanity means in a city. And I'm like, I love all that stuff. Yeah. I love all that, like, I love philosophy stuff. I love that sort of, what even is humanity kind of thing. I love all that stuff. So I, I got kind of into having those um, almost like background music on. Um, and like, yeah, stuff like that can be not necessarily immediately provocative or anything, but relaxing. Yeah, definitely. Just, I always have something on in the background. Um, cause I, I got my, you know, when we got our numbers through Spotify wrapped, yeah. I thought mine would be like hundreds of thousands of numbers. It was like uh, minutes. I mean, it was, um, I think mine was like 45,000 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. which isn't that high really. I've seen people have like 80,000, 90,000. Nicholas had over a hundred. Right. And I was like, man, I thought I was doing good with like 52. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Cause you still, you think like, oh, I listen to this stuff all yeah. day, every day. But, um, but yeah, question from Jack Jingle who says, well, it'd be rude to not do a bit of wrestling. So favorite <laughs> wrestling game of all time. Smackdown, just bring it, uh, has, it brings back fond memories as that's how I convinced my mom to get me a PlayStation 2. And we also had Don't Mess Up, uh, sorry, You Don't Mess Up, Aaron. Say, what is the worst wrestling game as well? Oh, God. Uh, oh, you done messed up, Aaron. Sorry, I get your name wrong, even though I said it a hundred <laughs> times at this point. My Probably my favorite is SmackDown 2. Oh, um, yeah? I think it, it just, I wouldn't ever make the argument that it's the best or whatever, but like- it It's was, the warmest memories. Yeah, it's the yeah. one I played the most because uh, when, when the SmackDown series started, I got the first one on PS1 mm-hmm. and like I had a great time with it. But then when SmackDown 2 came out, I believe, was it Know Your Role? Know Your Role too. Yeah, that was the subtitle for it. Yeah, man. It, it was such a huge advancement from the first one and it was so much more customizable. Mm-hmm. Like in SmackDown 1, you could only, you had like 20 heads and 20 <laughs> bodies and you had to kind of fit them it's together. Like the new AEW game? Yeah, like, yeah. Seven heads. Yeah, it's like, hey, this 
this has got 30 minutes of nothing. gameplay in it. Uh, um, but yeah, it's definitely that. Like you could power bomb people off the cell, you know? Like, oh, dude. how can you not love that? Because I had one of my mates had SmackDown One, and we played it at his house. And then SmackDown Two came out, so I just bought that. And yeah. then it was like, yeah, SmackDown Two was a massive step up. Yeah, like, I played the yeah. campaign campaign mode, story mode, over and over again. Yeah. Like it had that really cool, and it's it didn't sync up in terms of how many choices it was monitoring, but it had that multiplayer story mode mm-hmm. where like two like up to four characters or players could enter the story, and it would try and pit you off against each other. Yeah, or you might do little yeah. backstage segments where like Michael Cole would interview you and you'd call people out or whatever and then he would shrug and they would walk away and like I loved that approach they never really yeah. fleshed it out um, but Smackdown too like you said like it had the arcade gameplay the story stuff the creation suite putting like, people through the cell oh god Hell yeah doing that, that animation where it was the same animation regardless of whatever move put them through they just yeah. hang and then they drop or whatever um, that stuff was really cool I remember like this is how old I am printing out the uh, creator wrestler codes yes, um, yes to be able to like go and from make from game facts yeah yeah from game facts like that. to like be able to <laughs> <laughs> to like make the roster that wasn't yeah. there anymore, um, which you know is one of the was one of the coolest things for the worst wrestling game. Oh. Um, I got out of wrestling back in like two thousand four or five or whatever, and I remember that I still got the games because they played so well. But yeah, I didn't the, care about they're the all great. Like here comes the pain. Yeah, yeah, here comes the pain would be my shout for the yeah. best one. Um, however, like the last two, this I don't know if it was this year or last year, but WWE, WWE 2K23 and WWE 2K22, um, they are humongous returns to form. Like I love these two new games. Like I only just got 2K23 because um, I wasn't going to pay like the full price for it. Um, but I traded 22 in because they shut the servers off, so you have to get the new one if you want to still download stuff. And I was like, I want Hangman Page in my That's WWE game. Really scummy I know. behavior. Isn't so it's it? just like yeah, if you want to be able to access this, this stuff, you got to get the new one. Um, but I love the the new systems they've got in this. Like there's like my momentum stuff you can bank like the ability to kick out of a pin regardless of how yeah. crushed you are so you can create all these like dynamic in the in the moment uh, moments that like really really work for the, the crowd and the and like the energy of a match and like i really like the new one ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, and I think, like, obviously I'm filling it full of AEW people because I don't care about WWE, <laughs> but the mechanics of what is there um, is built towards the genuine reality of putting a match on. Yeah. I think that is a really rare thing in video in most of the wrestling games. Wrestling is a really difficult thing to capture mm. in, like, these simulation-y style games in particular. Uh, like, in a, you can make an arcade game. Mm. Uh, you can simplify it to that point and just focus on really cool gameplay. Mm-hmm. And you can have things like Fire Pro as well, which are Fire really, Pro rules. Yeah, really fun and intricate. But like, I think where they went wrong over the past, uh, and this isn't really an, in, uh, it's not an original thought. Mm-hmm. Loads of people have said this before <laughs> me, but I was trying to make it too simulationy and boringy. Mm-hmm. And like, you, if you want to hit a pile driver, I have to press seven different buttons. And right. it's like, nah, just let me hit the move. So like- The pace is quite slow for a while as yeah, well. It does have sure. a very, del- even the new ones have a very like deliberate pace, yeah. you would call it. But like, um, I think it comes together a lot better than the new AEW game does. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I did not enjoy fighting. No, it, it's unfortunately. like, I kind of tried to force myself to do yeah. it. And I think that there are positives to it. Um, but yeah, the reason I mentioned those newer games is because when I was thinking about the worst one, um, like I said, I got out of wrestling back when, you know, like mid-2000s, early 2000s. Still kept up with the SmackDown versus Raw games yeah. for a bit. And then, then I just stopped getting them. Do you remember when they changed um, the how you grapple? They put it on the right stick. Yes. I remember yeah. hating that. And I was just yeah. like, I want to do stuff with the face buttons. And um, so I kind of dropped off. But I, all of this is to say that when they did um, 2K19, I think was the really stupidly broken one. You, that was the one I was going to say. Right. And yeah. I know it's like a basic answer, but it was how, so big, how could though. it be anything else? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like there was some like choices over the years where it's like, you know, maybe it's not the feel that you wanted, but that was the yeah. most broken one. Um, where they had to actually take some years off. And I remember, I forget the name of the dude who worked on it, who took to YouTube and was like, this is the reality of what we're doing. Like, um, you know, we're being rushed through this stuff and I've left the project and everything. Um, Yeah, I think the worst one by far is is one of them, like outside of personal taste. But SmackDown is a shout, especially SmackDown 2. Question from Tana Kutz, who says, Andy, I know you're a Souls guy based on your love for Elden Ring, but have you played any other Souls slash Souls likes and what are your favorites? Also, which wrestler would make the best Souls character? Oh, interesting. So, yeah, (laughs) I started with Dark Souls. Mm -hmm. Um, Years ago, I I got like a secondhand copy off eBay, maybe like a year after it came out. Didn't get into it, Mm -hmm. but I thought it sounded really interesting, like the combination of the deep lore interconnected world like difficulty that kind of rewards you for learning stuff yeah. and and you have to uh adjust based on your mistake i was like oh that sounds like a really old school gaming experience it took me a long time to get into it and i didn't mm. actually get into it until the remastered came out mm-hmm. and then they fixed blight town and stuff like that obviously <laughs> and then only reload like, g's did it at three frames a second yeah <laughs> i've seen the footage of just sludge oh god slowly chugging away that's what i mentioned earlier on about the whole old gamer brain thing that's how poisoned i was when mm. i was going through that level going like no this is the real experience yeah it's just terrible. A flip book frame rate, it's terrible. Yeah, if you played the re- if you played the remaster, you're a whip. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I really got into the remaster actually in the pandemic. Um so I'd owned it for a while and then mm-hmm. I was like, hey, look, I've got nothing else to do. I'm gonna play this. Right. And I loved it. Um since then I have obviously played Elden Ring several times. Uh <laughs> I have started uh I got about halfway through Dark Souls 2 mm-hmm. and then Elder Ring came out and that Two's kinda, the weak one anyway. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it's kind of like I've enjoyed my experience with it but it's not quite got the interconnected world mm. and stuff that that I love. Like I love the feeling of coming out of a door and you're right back at the start and you're yep. like what the hell how did that come together? And you have a lot of that in the original Dark mm-hmm. Souls. Did I'm, you um, not play Bloodborne? 
or like the other from stuff. No, well, I oh. started Bloodborne, but I was too scared. Right, <laughs> it's <laughs> so very I'll, full on. Yeah, I'll probably go back to it um, at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to play them all at some point. Uh, and I've also started Demon Souls, the mm-hmm. remake, but I didn't quite click. I didn't like Demons. It just because it's like they remade it so faithfully, and obviously yeah. it's, the, it's the progenitor. It's the one that gave in to Dark Souls over time. Yeah, and it was like to me, it felt like that. It was like, oh, all these things got better over time. Yeah. All these boss designs and everything else. I know people love Demons, but to me, there's a reason the Souls franchise didn't take off till Dark Souls mm. because Demons is a cool bunch of ideas, but they didn't coalesce until later. Didn't quite come together. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have said so. So like, I, I I'm gonna play all of these games mm-hmm. all the way through. Uh, but it will take me a while. Yeah. Look, I've played most of them is the short answer. And uh, what wrestler would make the best character? <laughs> My God, it's got to be someone a bit glum. I was um, going to think like House of Black style. Like yeah. I was like, do you put Malachi in there? Yeah, he could be like, he could be, he'd be really good as one of the guys who like absolves your sins. Yeah, oh yeah, you could have, <laughs> oh, mm, you could have like someone who, because initially I was thinking like big brooding boss characters. And I was yeah. like, well, who would have like a big evil cackling laugh or something? And then like Brody King or whatever. Um, but yeah, I wonder if you get like someone who's more like Swerve, like the new version of Swerve that we yeah. have, uh, that could kind of fit in. What about um, uh, Luchasaurus could be Rikard if new, they're lizards. The new Luchasaurus where he's all evil and stuff. Yeah. Like maybe that could be a thing, but the, the whole kill switch approach is a bit of a mess anyway. Next question it is from Darren Roberts who says, UBP with the Game Awards coming up. I'm sure you're all discussing the game of the year, but what's your meal of the year? Cast your mind back. <laughs> what's the best grub that you've got your hands on this year? Now I thought this would be a fun excuse to shout out your better half, uh, Rebecca, yeah. because you guys just tried the, the Greg's Bistro thing. We did. In Newcastle, which I don't know what that's like in reality, but Aww. it's like a weird fancy version of Greg's? Yeah, it's a sit-down restaurant version yeah. of Greg's that's in the Fennec department store. So uh-huh. if you're not from Newcastle, Fennec is like, it's a really upmarket, posh yeah. kind of, it's, it's really good. Like they've got a really nice food court and stuff. Um, but Greg's is obviously, yeah, it's your <laughs> chain bakery. I love Greg's. I, mean, I feel like I have like a weird hometown pride for Greg's because yeah. like a Northeast chain. But when you're <laughs> sipping from a Greg's I'm cup. drinking Greg's right now. This second. Mr. Greg. But when, when they did um, that bistro thing where it's like, we're going to take our pasties, we're going to take our, um, you know, pastry bakes for the people around the world and put them, try and pretend that they're like a full meal. I yeah. was like, that gets me in, but I'm curious what the hell that is. It was awesome. So yeah. shout outs to Greg's for inviting <laughs> us along. But um, yeah, yeah, I should say that what culture is not actually sponsored. <laughs> but Greg's is good. I like Greg's. Yeah. So it was like we sat down and we had the starters were uh, a sausage roll with some like pickled <laughs> veg and stuff, okay. like pickled carrots, pickled uh, peas, uh, and then really nice, really high quality vegetables. Uh, and then they had the vegan option as well with the vegan sausage roll. And then the main course was a festive bake, which for uh, people who don't know is a pastry uh, filled with turkey, stuffing, cranberry sauce, and I think there's gravy in there as well, uh-huh. I think. In the bistro version, it's got like roasties on the side yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah roast potatoes, and uh, there was some like, some kind of veg with it as uh. well. Uh, it was absolutely delicious. Yeah, uh, I, it, I think it's only in here for a month, but if you're in or around Newcastle and you want something weird and fun, <laughs> I, I would do it. Because I wanted, to, I mentioned that as like an inroad into how much of like um, food you've had this year. Like, because obviously, <laughs> like the amount of different things that you and your partner check out. Like, it's is crazy. there something that you want to shout out in particular? Uh yeah, like. So for context, my partner is, uh, she's like a food blogger here in Newcastle on mm-hmm. TikTok. 
Uh, Newcastle Lass, you can follow her if you want. Uh, She makes loads of great videos and it gets her lots of great opportunities. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have good meals all the time. I feel really privileged and spoiled, but... It's honestly, man, watching either your or her feed, I'm like, well, I'm going to go there next week. I'm going to go there next week. Okay, I'm going to go there next week. And it's like you got a list of like 50 places you can't possibly keep up. But like (laughs) some of the favorite meals I've had this year, uh, there's a place called Pigalos out in North Shields. Uh, And look, full disclosure, we're kind of friends with the owners, so we're a bit biased, but they do... Like really nice, just messy burgers. Yep. Like if you like piles of stuff, yeah, uh, that is all bad for you and all <laughs> delicious. Uh, their their food is incredible. Mm-hmm. In the summer, we went to there's a classic Newcastle restaurant, Blackfriars. Yep, um, that does like. It's not quite like fine cuisine or whatever. Like it's not posh, silly. It's a bit more upmarket than yeah like, than a Greg's. It is a, it is a bit upmarket, but it's not like pretentious. No. You know, uh, like the food's really good. Mm-hmm. And they did a summer barbecue this year that was incredible. Oh, where it was like elevated barbecue food. Right. Uh, so I recommend that. But we we eat good all the time. <laughs> like we, I listen. I love McDonald's. I'm not fussy. Oh, dude. You know? like, yeah, I like the. I just love food. Like yeah. I was I was thinking because this is such a, a, a wider thought on this but you know how like there's the whole there's the cost of living crisis there's inflation everywhere like there's the um the sort of collapse of the streaming market yeah. all the entertainment mediums are struggling to find out what everybody wants food seems like the one thing that has just punched through all of that it's like you can't 3d print this you can't yeah. digital you can't download it and um, you've got to go to these places and i feel like at least in the northeast at least in newcastle um and then to what you know gates said in the coast and everything and um, i feel like the bar has been raised where you've got oh, so yeah. many great food places yeah. now like it's like newcastle has become way more of a foodie city than definitely it ever was before. it's crazy Crazy. Like there's the we feel like we go a different place every week and mm. we still haven't scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a mental place. Just tons. To I'm gonna shout out um because I live over on the coast um in uh, in Monk Seton, which is more towards the, the eastern side of the country. And uh there's a couple pubs that have just like either been overhauled or have been going for a long time. There's the Beehive pub, which I shout out, and there's the Tavern and Galley, they're both phenomenal. Much different to the Beehive in Newcastle City Centre, What's which, that? Oh, you do not want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we should just not tell people then you've got to pick one. It's like a 50-50 yeah. split. Uh, flip a coin and see which one you get. Um, <laughs> question from Steve who says, CM Punk, Randy Orton, MJF, blah, blah, blah. Can we talk about how good Julia Hart is? Best entrance, best submission, best look. A star mm. already and she's super young. Um, also, Hulk Hogan says, um, are Swerve and Hangman legacy rivals now? It's a very specific wrestling <laughs> question and we'll get back to other things. But thoughts it. on this? Yeah, uh, like Julia deserves her flowers for oh. sure. Uh, what do you think of her new outfit? I like her black one more. Yeah, like I like the creativity of just mm. messing with different gear and mm. like I love the, the selection of hats. The hat's incredible. Tremendous. The one with the little red like windows almost yeah, the, around the brim and I forget stuff. the name of the person who makes that hat, but yeah. I saw, I think it's on yeah. Etsy, like her store blew up and it's like people trying to like, order their own I want the Julia hats. hat. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's awesome. Like her glow up has been really tremendous because mm. she came into AEW with like the cheerleader character mm. and like it was a good fit with the, with the, with the varsity blondes, but it wasn't really going anywhere because mm. Brian Pillman Jr. is, is... <laughs> Uh, not, uh, I watched a little clip of him over on WWE, and it's yeah. like, like bless him, you're getting stuck in, but it doesn't seem like it's taking yeah, off. Yeah, he, he's all right, but he's not like, I don't think he's going to headline WrestleMania, mm. put it that way. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. maybe not of that level. And Griff Garrison's a good wrestler, but it wasn't really going to blow up or whatever. And then she did the transitioning storyline, going Derek into the House of Black. I love the House of Black. They're my favourites. Same. Yep, yep, yep. My absolute favourites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like, the story was just... A, 
it was a little bit drawn out. It yeah. was like the the mist in the took eyes. Forever. Yeah, it did. It took like half a year. And <laughs> it's it like, was what do you like, do? She's like sat on the edge of the ring. She's yeah. been like misted in the eye. It's like okay, we get it. Like she's getting there. Yeah, but then when she got there, it was like okay, this works. This yep. works. She's uh, like she found herself. She became a bit nastier in the ring. The submission is really awesome. Like you say, mm. I really love the the ring entrance with the music mm-hmm. um, by Colin Young and Emma Boster of a band called Dying Wish. Right. Who you should check out. Like if you like the kind of the old school like chuggy metalcore, but with the cleaner choruses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Reminds like, me a bit of Nightwish. Yeah, and she's got like there's like some Gothenburg like in flamesy guitar harmonies yeah. and stuff in there. So they're worth checking out mm-hmm. uh, to anyone listening mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well. And also you should check out Colin's bands, God's Hate and and Twitching Tongues. Bands everywhere. <laughs> all good. But yeah, the music like I like the tone of the music because it sounds quite sad. Yeah, like, it's like this this. She has been corrupted and it's sad and it's not nice mm-hmm. and it's it fits the vibe perfectly because mm-hmm. then you got Brody coming down to the be harder and it's like this <laughs> bludgeon and hers is quite mournful. It's really cool mix. Honestly, like I was watching her. Um, it would have been after was Full Gear the most recent pay per view. Yeah, uh, there was a press scrum after that and she was talking about how it was her idea to do all the House of Black stuff because the cheerleader thing wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, and it does feel like it's it's very like authored on her side. Like you said, that there's that, there's that, there's that tragedy element to it. Yeah, um, but her look is incredible. She's one yeah. of the first characters that I downloaded onto. WWE 2K23, um, and there were some really good fan community versions of her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, she's awesome. The Swerve and Hangman thing, um, Hangman's by far my favorite. I don't know who's your favorite wrestler. Mine's the Hangman by far. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii. It, right. But in AEW, uh, uh, depending on what side of the bed I wake up on, John Moxley or <laughs> yep. Eddie Kingston. Yep. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Yeah, mine's always Kingston or Hangman. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to love Swerve, though. Like, I'm loving this weird, like, Joker-infused version of yeah. him, where, like, the, the version that we got, um, obviously, the, the Blood and Guts match thing that he did with Hangman, Texas Deathmatch, um, was incredible. And then they've done a really cool spin-off of that where like on their Instagram and then on Swerve's most recent promo, which I think is only online for now, yeah. um, where they're talking about being like immortal rivals. Um, and they did it straight after the match where like they both tweeted something or posted something where they were like, oh, we're both part of each other now because of how much blood they shared or whatever. Yeah. And Swerve mentioned it again on his most recent thing where he was like, oh, Hangman <laughs> drank my blood and now like I'm part of him forever. And I was like, I like this idea of this crazy like um you know like super heroic rivalry these two titans Doing fighting this each thing other. forever yeah like a batman yeah. joker thing which yeah. like um i forget which interview swerve was doing it might have been with sports insider or whatever where he was talking about his influences and he mentioned joker and he mentioned a few different characters yeah and i was like they're all coming through um but i love that stuff where what do you think of swerve v hangman yeah i love it i love it um where'd you come down like the blood and gut stuff because like that i didn't even realize that was a yeah. controversial talking point i think it's really cool yeah that's really cool too <laughs> i think a guy drinking another guy's blood is cool <laughs> <laughs> it made me think of like because watching it in real time, <laughs> like watching that match. And for people who don't know, um, yeah, two dudes fought each other. Uh, one guy broke into the other guy's house in fake kayfabe stuff, and then to get back at him, the dude took the pictures from his fridge yeah. and stapled them to the guy's face and was like, "Oh, if you want to come into my house, here's my stuff." And then dude started bleeding, and and that guy then drank the blood and spat it out, and it was it was fun. That all reminded me of like a like a Mortal Kombat fatality. Like yeah. when you look at the, the cadence of a fatality, yeah. like like yeah. bang bang bang, crazy good disgusting thing, and then finisher. And um, it was like a real life Mortal Kombat fatality and like i was like this is gnarly af yeah. like it's awesome i think like there's a lot of people who because for years wwe was the monopoly and the mm. only the only thing on tv in america or on mainstream tv in america um a lot of people are predisposed to not enjoying that style of wrestling mm. i think and um uh, which is their right you mm-hmm. don't have to like it it's fine and um, we can all like different things um but 
that you also get a lot of disingenuous stuff as well, particularly in in social media circles, mm-hmm. where immediately if someone bleeds or whatever, it's like, oh, it's garbage wrestling, blah blah blah. <laughs> and it's like, no, we can respectfully disagree on things. We don't have to be assholes. But it was, it was such a um, weird thing coming out of it because, like, I remember watching that match and just and after that moment, being like, oh my god, that gets in, to me so awe, much. Yeah. Like, it really works. But I was like, to me, the whole thing is like, and not to make it a wrestling pod necessarily, but like, it's I love the performance art side of it. Yeah. I love giving yourself to a performance that much and being in the moment. You got the crowd; it's all televised. Like, there was something about that specific they went the fact that they went that far and pulled it off mm-hmm. um that really worked where i was like if the core word at the heart of wrestling is belief then yeah. like i'm in it like i don't know who's gonna win that match it's just mm-hmm. gone way past a line that i didn't even know existed and i loved the artistry of it so like i loved how far that went and i remember yeah, me too. looking online after that and then seeing one of the top comments on the aw official post on twitter was like oh this isn't wrestling and i was yeah. like what do you mean what do you what do you yeah. want like yeah. what do you, like surely the the core thing is belief like, i hate that stuff like yeah. this isn't wrestling because like this aspects of wrestling that I don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't enjoy, like, a lot of the comedy I'll just side. say the skit stuff sucks. Yeah, so. a lot of skit-based things. But, like, to say it isn't wrestling is just silly. It's surely it can like, be everything. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like listening to, like, a rap album and going, this isn't music. Yeah. Or, or like, a metal album and saying, this is just noise or yeah. whatever. You know, that's idiocy. Like, like, I think over time, they'll only be proven wrong. Like, it can yeah. be everything. It can be um, whatever you want it to be. You just don't have to like every flavor of it. You yeah. Know? I think it's like a conviction thing as well. Like, they committed to it so strong. It wasn't like it was just two dudes in a backyard cutting each other until someone looks or whatever. Yeah. Like it had a lot, a lot more to it. Question from Stephen McCormack who says, congrats on the big news, Mr. Tilford. Well, thank you very much. Hey. Question on replayability. For instance, after a hundred hours of to get through Cyberpunk or seeing hundred percent of Spider-Man 2 on one playthrough, I have no motivation left to dive <laughs> back in. What gets you guys to revisit finished games? Um, time more than mm. anything else. Like I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who has to 100% everything. I think I usually like start a game mm-hmm. with the intent of doing as much as possible. But if I'm with it for 60, 70, 80 hours, I usually tail off and then just mm-hmm. do the essential stuff towards the end. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I'm the same. Like I can't just dive in and do another playthrough straight away. Mm-hmm. I need a bit of time. Uh, I need to go and try some other things and come back. Uh, there's never a motivation to collect trophies or anything like mm-hmm. that with me. I've gotten quite casual over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh Honestly, time time and distance. Um, once I've completed something, is usually quite a while. Mine's like I don't know when the last time was that I replayed a game in full. I it's I, mainly because of the job. Like I'm, yeah. and I want to. I want to play as much stuff as possible. But if I get if I'm finishing something, it's on to the next thing. And especially Definitely. this year has been ludicrous. And um, like I totted everything up. I was debating doing a video where I just lock myself in a room and talk about everything until yeah. it's done. It'll be like an hour long or something. But um, there's been about sixty games this year that I played. I finished about thirty five of them. Nice. And like that was, that's like to me that's respectable enough and um but that's one of those things where it was like you finish one thing you're into the next thing into the next thing um and enjoying all of it but like i never have the time to go back through another thing unless uh, it feels like replaying it is fundamentally part of the overall progression yeah. like um if you unlock something at the end that feeds into the next playthrough like starfield does that really well not to get specific about the spoilers but the end of that game is also the star in a really really cool way oh, um, okay. and things like that where i'm like oh i need to see what happens next is it near automata where you have to like complete it like four times yeah like everything. three like yeah, yeah you get a different character each time and you don't really fully get the story until you've done the third playthrough um which is a pain because that middle playthrough I thought sucked. Uh, like I didn't like playing as I think it was A2 or whatever. Because um, you have that weird little mini game that kicks in every time you want to fight an enemy. And I was like, oh my God, I'm fighting hundreds of enemies. I got to do the same thing <laughs> over and over again. And um, yeah, that, that, that whole structure of that though is like something to be experimented yeah. with. Like the idea of replayability is something that can be 
is rarely done well. Like yeah. nine times out of 10, either people don't finish at all. And like Baldur's Gate 3, uh, it has like a 10% completion rate right now. Because it's so huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just like, and it's a, a weird thing because it's more of a PC game than a console yeah. game in terms of the UI and, and everything else. But like Red Dead 2, like that game notoriously was barely finished <laughs> yeah. by people, which is like, fair by enough. Me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you would be in like the 70% that yeah. didn't finish it, um, which is like, fair enough. Question from the other Dan who says, hello lads, hope you're doing well. Is it superhero fatigue or is it the KO punch of streaming platforms? Well, we stuck by Marvel, the last two have been meh, and many would now rather wait for it on Disney Plus after about a month. Has the pandemic industry saver now killed cinema? Ooh. For everyone it, listening to this, that just took me about 10 tries, but I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> so all you'll hear is me nailing that question, but don't worry about it. Be a hell of a blooper reel at some point. <laughs> Actually, um, shout out to the blooper reel that we have coming up over the Christmas holidays. Yeah. Our own editor, Dan Dirk, and putting together every mistake every presenter has ever done across the He's a the rascal. Air. Oh, He's God. A rascal, him. I told him to do it, but it's uh, it's going to be a thing to see. He's going to do some mischief with that. Yeah, what do you think about like the whole new release thing? I find myself now actually waiting to watch stuff at home, either because I don't trust the people in the cinema to yeah. not just shut the F up and let me watch the movie, yeah. or um, it's just cheaper. Like it's either 14 pound each to just watch a movie, or if you're home premiere it, you can split it. Yeah, this is it. Like that cost is certainly a big, con mm. a big consideration for me in particular. Like if you want to go to, so you can go to the view cinema here in Gateshead for five pounds, mm -hmm. four ninety nine every time. And that's usually what I do because it's cheap and it's right beside my house. Is that basically. only certain days or is that always a fiver? No, it's always a fiver. What? As long as you book it. Oh, cool. If you go there on the day, I think it's like six or seven, but right. it's still quite cheap. Okay. Um, whereas if you want to go to like the art house cinema in town, which is the Tyne house, the mm -hmm. Tyne, Tyne side? <laughs> Tyne house. Uh, if you go there, you're looking at spending like 12 pounds yeah well, i was gonna say there's like <clears throat> where i live there's an odeon uh, and yeah. the odeon's about 12 pounds 30 yeah, pounds yeah. like five sounds like a dream it's a ripoff yeah. like and then if you want some popcorn which i do because i'm a pig same uh you, you're spending 20 quid randomly on a saturday to watch a movie that you could wait a month for so mm -hmm. there's definitely that there's the cost of living there is oversaturation because you have everything at your fingertips at mm -hmm. home mm -hmm. i think definitely superhero fatigue is a thing because yeah. they dominated the cinemas for so long mm -hmm. uh and for me those kind of started going off the rails after like uh infinity war because i remember back when everything was first rolling out like back in 2017 2018 or maybe a bit earlier when uh civil war was happening the big yeah. big marvel tentpole yeah, stuff big boys. i remember at the time you were like i'm not into every single one of these like yeah. and it, you were already kind of feeling it and then you've only been proven right like i mean the amount that they then tipped the bucket out when like yeah. all the tv shows like i'm right with you where i'm just sick of it all yeah and it's like you look at like the, the origin films to mm -hmm. introduce characters and everyone was copy paste with a different slightly different <laughs> flavor like you could take the three acts piece them together from each one and they'd be identical identical to yeah. each other and it was like and then the moment they killed off half their cast in in infinity war which i thought was like a really bold plot move and then they just brought them straight back i was yeah. like my god <laughs> i know they eventually you know iron man died and everything mm -hmm. eventually but it was like you've removed the fangs from this now right. there's no stakes i can't watch this but mm -hmm. yeah in terms of cinema in general i the, the experience of going there and people talking and stuff it, that that's getting worse oh yeah i feel for sure people like want to do they're on their phones they're filming themselves yeah. it just sound really old but i'm also like nah it's the reality of it like, yeah, like you're not the main character here exactly i'm there to be lost in this 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 sensory overload of the giant screen and the good audio and not the rustling of your sweets in the hall look at look at this tiktok on yeah. my phone it's like no be respectful <laughs> of other people and to be fair the cinema staff need to crack down on that stuff as well because mm -hmm. like maybe it was it was okay like and shout outs to all the people out there who are like working in cinemas trying their best right yeah, i'm not yeah. criticizing them their bosses need to implement some better protocols here mm -hmm. there needs to be more of a system where these things are monitored and that behavior is stamped out mm -hmm. because 
back in like now no one has an attention span everyone's on their phone every five minutes it's like it, it wasn't the same 20 years ago no uh, obviously or even five years ago and i feel like the pandemic era accelerated a lot of behaviors in people this is one of them mm-hmm. people just need to be respectful and mm-hmm. like uh, nine times out of ten now i'm i'm staying in my house yeah i'm, I'm turning the heating up I'm, I'm i'm sitting on my sofa it's nice and comfy there's like your no, own food yeah there's yeah. no nobody annoying us like i can have just like a nice beer out of the fridge you can pause it whenever you want yeah like go the bathroom is fine because it's like it's such a toss-up of like trying to like balance the scales of like all those positives versus like well it's a bigger screen yeah. and it's like more like i said it's more of a no sensory overload and sometimes it's an event movie like yeah. i feel like up the barbenheimer stuff got everybody out this year i like um, stuff like that where it's an occasion yeah, yeah 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 but it's like but there is for me like it, it's not entirely undone but it is massively affected by some rude person in that cinema and yeah. nine times out of ten now when I think about seeing th- something in the cinema I, I think like okay I want to see that and I'm immediately my brain immediately serves up the thought of it's a roll of the dice whether I get a decent audience yeah, or not exactly. and I'm like I'm watching stuff at like 9pm I'm going for the last screening so I can avoid people yeah. um, or I'm uh, looking to see what the most empty screen is possible like I would take like a <laughs> proper like draconian rule cinema where like someone talks and then like a light comes out of nowhere and shines on them yeah and just sort of says that well you have like one chance or something i agree you should be thrown out yeah yeah if you're using your phone if you're sitting there scrolling or or on whatsapp or whatever Mm -hmm. you should be thrown out one strike warning and then you're gone because we've done like uh, my wife used to work in a cinema and uh, and so she like had the other side of it where it's like you're trying to get like go up to people and tell them can you please be quiet and things like that yeah and so like it depends i, I get it yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. it depends per chain and per person you're talking to how much of a reaction you think you can, you're gonna get um but more recently like we had an altercation a couple of weeks ago where these two people just wouldn't shut up yeah. and um and we went and just said to one of the ushers who was already standing there like hey you know they're being pretty disruptive yeah. kind of just want to watch the movie and then they were like okay cool like we'll keep an eye on them and then they just kind of stood on the, the front side of the cinema and just kind of watched them for a bit. Yeah. They kept talking, nothing happened. Then the person left and I was like, okay, well, I guess we're just stuck with them then. Yeah. Like, what are you supposed to do with it and escalating it directly to the person? Yeah, this and is it, it also, it feels like you're telling the teacher to help with the problem or whatever. And you can't shush people, which did eventually get them to shut up. But like, I just hate having to go through that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's like, it's not your position to do that, is no. it? And it's like, yeah, there just needs to be more protocols in place to to. to, to Stop people being assholes, yeah. basically. Just I, uh, have some respect. Yeah, and I think like the overall thing um, is interesting in terms of how much like streaming has affected box office and stuff like that. Um, because the, <laughs> the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, yeah. um, which is blowing up right now. I'm not, I haven't played Five Nights at Freddy's. Well, I've seen a tiny bit of it. Anyway, that movie is apparently like doing gangbusters at the cinema and at home release. It released simultaneously. Oh, okay. And it's done both. And I wonder whether giving people the option from the start is the way forward. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that like overall still helps because during the pandemic, it was like you can do a home release but it's going to be like 30 pounds or 40 pounds yeah, or something yeah. and then eventually that's gone down to like 12 or 14 um to try and mimic like a ticket price but um i don't know there's something about like giving us the option to just watch it at home but then there's enough of people who want to have the big event thing and um, it's like trying to cater to both like yeah. ultimately we want to support the movie that we're interested in so i think to me at least one of the the ways forward would be both definitely but i do think if everything was offered day and day at home I might not ever go to the cinema again. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I It's just too comfortable. Yeah. It's too comfortable. <laughs> Speaking of being too comfortable, this has been the UBP, the UBP, the UBP, the entitled part of podcast. I've been Scott Taylorford. That's been Andy Murray. Mm. <laughs> well, what a fun time this was. I really enjoyed this. A lovely little time. Thank Thanks you again. Genu- uh, genuinely for popping in. And thank all of you for sending in your various questions. And uh, have a lovely weekend. We'll catch you next week.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.